This morning, however, we are finishing up our series that we have uh, been focusing on this Advent season titled Making the Most of Christmas and taking this idea that Paul shares in Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 that we've been reflecting on when he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And that's been where we got our, our series title to make the most of Christmas, that wisdom makes the most of opportunities, and Christmas is a phenomenal opportunity. And so last week we talked about acting wisely, and that the wisest thing you can do is seek God, to seek Christ, to seek Him passionately, to seek Him wholeheartedly, to seek Him consistently. And as we do that, we will see opportunities to share what we are learning, how we are growing, what we are sensing from the Spirit with other people, and that will help us to make the most of Christmas. Today, though, we're going to focus on that last verse of that passage where it talks about Speaking graciously. That's our title today, to speak graciously. When Paul says, let your conversation be always full of grace, that's to speak graciously. And when we talk about uh, words that are, are full of grace, I'm reminded of the question that I encourage you to ask yourself last week when we were talking about being wise and the way that we act toward outsiders. There was a question that I, that I shared with you, and it was, what's it like to be on the other side of me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? So whether you're standing in front of a grocery store clerk and you're getting these things for your Christmas meal or you're with uh, a distant family member who's from a very different walk of life or a very different worldview or you're with a coworker, or wherever you are, as you interact, one of the questions that we can ask that will help us to have words full of grace that are seasoned with salt would be to ask that question, what's it like to be on the other side of me right now? Are my words landing the way that I want them to land? Am I saying them with the right tone and the right body language? And am I saying things in a way that will draw people into the message of Christmas instead of pushing them away. And as I shared that last week, I received a, uh, an email from somebody who heard that message on our podcast, and she said that was so helpful to me because I find when I'm around family members that knew me before I was a Christian and knew what I was like back then, that I slip into those ways of speaking and being and acting, and I don't want them to be reminded of who I was. I want them to know me as I am now and know the transforming power of Christ in my life. And that encouragement was very, very helpful. So I would encourage you the same way. And then I, I was also thinking of this phrase that follows that when he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, seasoned with salt. Does that mean that we should be walking around with salt shakers and sprinkling a little salt as we speak. I don't think so. I think it's a word picture that is probably not lost on us. And we've talked a little bit about the things that salt does and how important those were in in the culture a couple thousand years ago where salt was was one of the more expensive and and valuable commodities, far more valuable than it is today. And if you were a part of our church during the Heavenly Minded and Earthly Good series, we talked a little bit about salt in a couple of those weeks because it seasons 
And, and we're told to season our words with salt, but, but what salt actually does is it enhances. It enhances the flavor of the things around it. And I shared the example of a steak that doesn't have any salt on it is not very appealing, is it? But you put a little salt on that, you put a little pepper, maybe a few other seasonings, and, and good seasonings, good chefs use seasonings in a way that brings out the flavors that are already inherent in whatever they're seasoning. And that's what salt does. And so when we talk about seasoning our words with salt, we're talking about making them enhanced. Or, or you know, salt also has a, a feature that it tenderizes things. It tenderizes meat or it tenderizes some of the things that we put it on. And we can have tender words, words that are seasoned with salt because we have intentionally chosen a way to make them more palatable or um, easier to receive. Salt also preserves. It goes in to meat and draws out the moisture and the things that will contaminate the meat and has a preservative function. Maybe our words, if they're seasoned with salt, can have a preserving capacity as we speak them. And so when Paul says, let your words be seasoned with salt, he's talking about, you know, be preservative. Be, bring out the best in people and in things and in the conversations that you have. And Make, thing, make people thirsty a little bit. That's the other thing. You know why they always put uh, salt on, uh, you know, on pretzels and potato chips and things like that? Because they want you to drink more sodas and other things that you might have. So, so salt makes us thirsty. And our words can make people thirsty for the truth that we have in Christ. And that's, that's all wrapped up in this exhortation that Paul gives us to let our conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And it leads us into our bottom line today. I'll give it to you early and often. And it's one of those common sense ones that you'll think, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it's true. And the bottom line today is you'll never have to apologize for speaking graciously. You'll never have to apologize for speaking graciously. You'll never have to print a retraction like the newspaper when they get it wrong. You know, they print a retraction on A12 and it doesn't do any good because they already ran the headline. And that's the way our words work, isn't it? That the retraction doesn't do a lot of good. You'll never have to apologize for speaking graciously the first time around. In fact, um, I've seen an illustration, I've used this illustration before, uh, where you take a tube of toothpaste and you squirt all the toothpaste out onto a plate. That's not very hard to do, is it? It's a good deal harder to get the toothpaste back into the tube once you've emptied it out onto a plate, isn't it? And our words are the same way. Once they go out, it is a lot harder to get them back in, isn't it? Some of you are smiling and nodding. Some of you can remember times when you said something or, or said something in a way that you regret. And I'll be honest with you, this is an area that I struggle. This is an area where I find myself saying something and then having to back up and apologize or go back and say, this is what I said, but this is what I meant. And, and I've never had to apologize for speaking graciously. I've never had to come back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't spoken so graciously to that person. It just doesn't happen, does it? It doesn't happen. And so what's in the tube matters. And the words that we say matter, and we see this consistently throughout Scripture. There are many Proverbs in the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived. We looked at his life a little bit last week, and he says over and over things like, your words have the power of life and death. Your words can be like a sword that pierces. Your words of the wise can bring healing into people's lives. Proverbs is full 
of exhortations to speak wisely and to speak graciously, and wise people do that. David said, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, he said that the tongue is like a fire. The tongue is like a fire, and he compares it to a a forest fire being set ablaze by a single spark. And, And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of us have been on the receiving end of some really harsh words, and they can last long after they've been said. But we can also point to times where somebody spoke life into us. Somebody said, I see something in you, and helped draw that out. Those are words seasoned with salt. Paul, just a few verses before the the passage that we're looking at right here, he says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. He's talking about our words. And how are we going to use our words? Are we going to use our words to teach and admonish each other and to give glory to God with gratitude in our hearts? Or are we going to use our words to cut each other down and and to inflict wounds and damage and And Jesus himself said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words really matter. And when we talk about speaking graciously and how we can make the most of Christmas this year by choosing to speak graciously, the words that we say and the way that we say them really does matter. And you'll never have to apologize for speaking graciously. There's a couple of examples in the Christmas story that I want to look at together that are examples of speaking graciously, speaking with grace, speaking in a way that is seasoned with salt. And they're both in Luke chapter 2. So if you want to turn back to uh, page 1591 in those pew Bibles, if you have one of those, or get to, to Luke 2 in one of the Bibles that you might have brought with you, we'll look first at the, shell, the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Uh, we pick up the story of the shepherds, and the shepherds have just received the good news from the angels, uh, the heavenly hosts that, that appeared magically or, or appeared suddenly, I should say, before them. And after they tell them of what's going to take place, that Jesus is coming into the world, that he is going to, uh, to, to be born in Bethlehem, and they proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on men among men on whom his favor rests. Then we read this in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. This is the first evangelists. These are the first people to go and to tell human people, going and telling others about Jesus, about Jesus coming into the world. And I have to imagine that they spoke graciously. They were speaking about a miracle. They were speaking about an angelic visitor. They were speaking about all these wonderful things that had happened. And as they did, they did so in a way that people were amazed and people were marveling and people were coming to see the Christ child as well. They spoke 
graciously, and we are invited to speak graciously as well. They point us toward one of the greatest things that we can speak about, and that is to tell people that Christ has come, to tell people that Christmas is so much more than presents and food and getting together with family, that we're pointing towards, with all those traditions, we're pointing towards the good news that God has come into this world to redeem us, to save us from ourselves, and to bring us into relationship with him. And so in doing that, the shepherds tell us or point to us the importance of sharing our story, of sharing our story, of sharing what we have seen and heard. That's what it means to bear witness, is to go and to testify of what we've seen and heard. For the shepherds, it was, we heard this news, this proclamation from the angels. We went and saw the baby Jesus born in a manger, we are now sharing what we have seen and heard. And that's essentially what testifying to the Lord means. That's what it means to go and to evangelize or to point people to Christ. And it underscores the power of your testimony because your testimony is unique to you. Your story of God's grace at work in your life is your story. Nobody can tell it but you. And if you don't tell it, it doesn't get told. And I share this often because God has done a unique work in your life, in your heart. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and your hope and your trust in him, then he is transforming you into the image of the son who died for you. And that is good news. And there are people in your life who will hear that if you will share it. Because as you make a habit of speaking graciously, people are more receptive to the message that you have. And when you share with them or point them to Christ, they hear it because you made a habit of speaking graciously, speaking graciously, sharing the good news. And there's another person in the Christmas story that that bears this out or gives us an example of this. It's Simeon, a few verses down, in verse 25 through 35. We read about this this man, Simeon, who only appears in this one little section of the account. But we're told that there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents of Jesus brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. And I find it interesting that he speaks both the blessing, the proclamation, the good news, but he also comes with a warning, doesn't he? He speaks the truth in love. He doesn't just sugarcoat it, but he shares and speaks on behalf of God, about some of what will take place in this child's life and what will happen through this child's life. And I think he does that because of what we read about 
earlier in that passage, that he was a righteous and devout man, that the Holy Spirit was upon him, that he spent time with God and was so saturated in the things of God and in the person and the presence of God that when he had opportunity, he could speak on behalf of God, speak a word of prophecy. I don't know about you, I grew up thinking that prophecy was telling the future, that that's what a prophet did. But if you read the prophecies in the Old Testament, many of them are speaking to current events and speaking on behalf of God into current situations. And we see Simeon do this here. And we see Simeon explain or share what is is taking place in this moment as salvation has come, as the Christ, the Messiah has come. He sees it. He recognizes it because he he is close with God and he speaks. He's prompted by the Spirit to speak. And I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor, is to go and to visit a newborn in the hospital and to see their parents and to speak blessing and to pray blessing over those children in that place. It's one of my favorite things. I got to do it last week. It was, it, I love it every chance I get to go and to speak blessing over the life of another person. And yet I was convicted by, thought, why don't I do it more often? Why don't, I mean, not like grab people's babies in Walmart and start, you know, that might, that might, uh, that might not be well received. You know, and I, I put myself in this story, Mary and Joseph bringing the child into the temple, and this guy shows up and he takes the child and he starts speaking prophecy over them. There must have been something very gracious about the way he did it for them to receive that, to watch in that moment. But every time we interact with somebody, we have an opportunity to speak life and to speak graciously into that moment. We don't have to wait for just the special moments. And some of the people that I've known that have impacted my life the most are people who have not missed an opportunity to speak life into me, have not missed an opportunity to say, I see something in you, and to see if they could draw it out, or to encourage and say, I can tell that you're downcast right now. I can tell that it's difficult right now. But I want to encourage you, and I want you to know that you're going to make it through this. And, and people who speak life, who speak graciously, are a rare commodity anymore. And we should never miss an opportunity to speak graciously. Because we never know the impact that it's going to have on another person's life. And the last phrase of our verse that we're looking at in Colossians 4, 6, our last phrase of that says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That you may know how to answer everyone. And I don't think it's just everyone who questions you. I think it's so that you may know how to respond. That's what an answer really is. It's a response. So as we interact with people and as we converse with conversations that are full of grace and words that are seasoned with salt, we'll have an opportunity to respond to people and we'll have an opportunity to answer people and maybe even have spiritual insight into what they most need. And if you're looking for a New Year's resolution right now, you know, New Year's is only about eight days away and you're going to be wanting to make a New Year's resolution. I've got one for you. I've got one I would suggest for you if you're not already doing this. It's to spend time in God's Word every single day. Day to make it a bedrock commitment that you have that every single day you are in God's word. And as you do that, you'll find that your your words will be seasoned with salt because you'll you'll have spent time in God's word. And you'll find that you have spiritual insight or somebody sharing something, and you're like, 
I, I just read about this in Proverbs or in Psalms or in the Gospels. Pick something and spend some time reading the Bible every day. Maybe a chapter, maybe a couple of chapters. I started with this when I first got in the habit. I started by reading Proverbs. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, so most months you can read through Proverbs in a month. And I did that, and then I changed translations, and then I started doing Gospels. Gospels give you a little bit of leeway, because the longest Gospel is 28 chapters, and the shortest is 16. So if you set out, you know what, I'm going to read a Gospel a month for the next four months to get into this habit, and you miss a day, you'll be all right. You'll be able to catch up. You'll be able to, to finish the Gospel in the month. We started reading the Gospel of Luke at the beginning of this month, and I think we've missed one or two days, but we'll get it finished by the end of the month, and we'll have read through the entire entire Gospel of Luke. And I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you because it will make a difference in your spiritual life, and it will make a difference in your daily life. I want to encourage you to, to speak life into people by speaking God's Word over them. And if that's uncomfortable, start by praying God's word over people. Find something in Psalms or something in Proverbs that you want to pray over your children or pray over your parents and start speaking that to God over them. And then when you have an opportunity face to face, it'll feel more natural and it'll feel more comfortable. Or, you know, today you can do things with a text message, right? I know I've got friends whose parents or whose grandma sends them a text every day with a word of scripture. And you could do something like that. Technology, leverage technology as a way to speak graciously, to speak life into people's lives. Write it out for yourself. That's one of the best ways for me to internalize it is I write things out for myself. And as I do that, I slow down and I can only write about fourth as fast as I can read. And so as I'm writing it out, it sits with me in a different way. And I would encourage you, if you want to speak graciously, to write out the gracious things, write out the promises of God and write them out for yourself regularly. Because you'll never have to apologize for speaking graciously to someone, for speaking truth and love to someone, sharing one of God's promises with someone. So I hope that, that as you respond today, as you respond in faith today, that, that you'll commit to one person, at least one person, that you can speak graciously to today today, and one tomorrow, and one on Christmas Day. That's three days in a row. You might even start a habit of speaking graciously with intentionality to someone. And maybe it's the same person all three days, but find a way to speak graciously into their life. Maybe it's three different people. Maybe it's somebody that you already sent a Christmas card to, but it would really stand out if you sent a second Christmas card to them that says, I know I already sent you a Christmas card, but I was thinking about you. I was praying for you, and I really wanted to share this with you. Do you think that they would read that card? Do you think that that would be meaningful to them in some way? Maybe the best way you can respond to this message is to offer forgiveness to someone. Someone that has hurt you and and you've been holding back and you've been stuck for a while. But you could speak graciously by saying, this happened and it hurt me, but I'm forgiving the offense and I'm asking you to forgive me any offense that I have, have brought to you. Maybe that's the way you could respond in faith. Because God wants every single person in this room to take a step of faith with him as response to this, to this that we have been looking at. To respond in faith to his word. 
And last but certainly not least, maybe the Lord would put somebody on your heart that you know you're supposed to tell them what you have seen and heard. Tell them the difference that Jesus has made in your life in a way that they can respond in faith to the gospel, to the good news. However you choose to respond today, my hope and my prayer is that you'll respond in faith to the God who is faithful. That you'll speak graciously to the God who has spoken graciously to you, who has invited you into his family, invited you into the kingdom of God. You'll never have to apologize for that. Would you bow with me as we prepare to respond in faith? The altars are open as always. If you want to pray alone, you can come to these center two altars. If you'd like to pray with someone, you can go to one of the outside two altars and someone will meet you there and put a hand on your shoulder. I always feel like it's appropriate to remind you just, be, just because somebody comes forward doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It means there's something right with them. It means that they are coming to the source of their power and the source of healing and the source of change. And maybe they're here to intercede for somebody else. Maybe they're here to, to receive Christ. Maybe they're here for a number of different reasons. But this is an opportunity to respond. It's an opportunity to come forward. And I would encourage you to do that if God has spoken to you today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are everything we need, that you are good, that you have spoken graciously to us, that you have invited us into a relationship with you, into an opportunity to be with you for eternity. And that you invite us to share that good news with others. That you invite us to speak life into the lives of others. And so God, I pray that that as we respond to your word, that we would do so in faith. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.